Welcome to episode 105 of Crack for the Customer Code. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash customer code. I'm Jeannie Walters, and I'm here with the head honcho of heroic customer service, Adam Toporek. Adam, how are you? I am wonderful, embracing my heroicness. <laughs> my honcho-ness, I don't know. Is that heroic a honcho-ness, that's hard to say. That, is, that would be very hard to say. Well, I like that title, as always. You've outdone yourself, head honcho of heroic customer service. That one I could see on a card. I like that one. See? I, I'm, I'm here for you. <laughs> because that title would be, if it was on my card, it would be on stage. Oh, look at you making the segue. Making the segue. So <laughs> today we are going to talk about the difference between onstage actors and offstage actors. Is it the theater that you are re- talking about? <laughs> the proscenium. <laughs> no, but of course it does come from theater and it comes from Disney. Uh, they really were famous for making the onstage, offstage concept in customer service. So when you're journey mapping or just looking at your customer experience, you look at those people that are directly customer facing in whatever way they're in front of the customer and those that are behind the scenes and really don't see customers on stage and offstage. And, you know, we had uh, Jay Bear on and he spoke about it using the same terms in a different context about mm-hmm people that were off stage and those were people that were using private customer service digital channels or channels and uh, people that were on stage that were talking on social media. So these terms are used in different ways, but in traditional customer service, it is the people facing the customers and the people cooking the steaks and washing the dishes and cleaning the Mm -hmm. rooms and doing all the things like that. Yep. And there's a whole army of people who make things happen. And so it's important to recognize that as part of the customer journey. Exactamundo. (laughs) Nice. Um, Well, I think this topic is so interesting because when you, whenever, I don't know if this happens to you, but whenever I tell people what I do, they always jump right to like their worst customer service, most recent usually customer service situation. So you mentioned something about, you know, you help organizations have better customer experiences and they go right to that point where they're like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I dealt with the worst person when I called into my cable company. First of all, shocker, (laughs) cable companies come up a lot. Genie rant coming. (laughs) But the, it's, it's, that's what we see as customers. We see the people who are on the front lines, who are serving the food, who are delivering the packages, who are at the other end of the chat conversation that we have when we're on a website, we're dealing directly with another person, and that's kind of who we're seeing. And so I think it's natural that when we try to look at the other side of things, often we kind of stay in that world. And we, I've seen a lot of journey maps that completely miss that side that isn't front-facing, that isn't directly dealing with customers. And I'm sure you've seen that a lot too. They don't even think about the logistics behind the scenes. Well, yeah, when you look at the business owners or managers or supervisors, people that are looking at the experience, hopefully as a experience and journey mapping and those things, they can miss it a lot. But what I see in frontline training is the people that are behind the scenes that are off stage don't understand their role as part mm-hmm. of the customer experience. 
And you know, I've got oh, a, it's f- a whole yin, yin yang thing. Exactly. Got and I've got a few examples I use, and I always uh, use this one. I'm like, do you think the people that fly the planes at FedEx impact the customer experience? Mm-hmm. If of somebody, course. if somebody's envelope has to be there at 10:30 the next morning across the country, do you think the people that work the ground crew or pack the boxes who never talk to a customer, do they affect the customer experience? Mm-hmm. And of course, the light bulb goes off when you say that. Right. Right. You know, they right. go, oh, yeah, I guess so. Well, so do you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, one of my favorite things to do when I start workshops is I ask everybody to write down and then hopefully share the most recent customer experience, customer interaction that they had. And it's awesome because no matter where I do this, there's always a group who's sitting there with like a pen in their hand kind of glaring at me because they really can't think of it. Because they don't interact with customers. And that's kind of my point, is that it's really it's really hard to talk about the customer experience if you are so far removed from it. And to your point, it's really hard to understand sometimes how does my role fit into that customer journey if we're not talking about it, if we're not understanding that, you know what, this journey is way beyond this one moment that we talk about when we, you know, want to complain to the nice lady sitting next to us on a plane who mentions customer experience. <laughs> right. That's me. I'm the nice lady. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I mean that, but that everybody is involved. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. Now, some people have a more direct role, such as the planes at FedEx, you know, the person who flies mm-hmm. the plane, that's a pretty crucially direct operational role that more affects the customer experience and probably their accounting team. Right. Okay. But Still, almost every role, I mean, there's very few roles that don't have any impact on the customer experience. You say, okay, well, it's important that our social media team is responsive and does all this and does all that. Well, you know what? It's also important that the guy who maintains your servers makes sure the computer that they're doing the social media on (laughs) works, right? And, I mean, that's a very indirect role. It's not particularly part of the process, but you sure do Mm -hmm. notice when the computer is broken, don't you? Right. And you know what this reminds me of is back in the day – the day, back in the day. Back in the day. Oh, it's only three years ago for you, Jeannie. You're so young. <laughs> That's right. When I was, I learned. When I was youngin, um, we were, you know, developing websites, and we would look at wireframes and think, "How is this going to work?" And you would literally have to drill down to, "How is this going to work?" And it wasn't about that user experience up front. It was okay if if we have to ping this server and we have to go over to this server and I am not (laughs) a computer engineer. So this is very non-technical right now, but you have to ask those questions of how is this actually going to work on the back end in order to deliver this experience on the front end. And I think a lot of times when it comes to customer journey mapping or the things we see where they hang a banner and say, we're a customer centric company now. Yay. They don't think about the back end at all. How are we actually going to deliver? What is actually changing what we're doing on the back end so that we can deliver a better experience on the front end for our customers? And if you think about it in the terms of wireframes, for me, that makes a lot of sense because you have to ask those questions. You can't just go, we're going to put some words on a screen and hope that they link somewhere. (laughs) That's not how any of this works. I thought that is how it works. No? (laughs) Yeah. In other words, don't hire Adam and me to program your website. <laughs> of all the advice in a hundred and I don't know what are we on hundred and five here, uh, hundred and five <laughs> episodes of Crack the Customer Code. That's probably the best <laughs> advice we've given you. If you don't listen to anything else yeah. we've said, do not hire our genie or I to program your computers. 
Yes, that's very true. And mom, dad, uh, that goes for your iPhones <laughs> and iPads too. <laughs> uh, but I think it's, it's an important question to ask because if you're not asking how is this changing, then you're, you, really can't, you really can't do anything except for put lipstick on the pig, as one of my clients used to love saying. Well, it's, a good, it's a good saying. I always like that saying. You know, I th- you know, one of the fav- we all have our little favorite blog posts that we've written over the years. And one of the, one of the my favorite that I wrote that I always like. I'm so glad I wrote that. I wish I need to go back and like really write it well, like perfectly. <laughs> uh, but it was I can't remember the exact title. It was something like "Good customer service depends on adequate resources." Mm-hmm. And it's because when you, you know, how many customer service people and articles do you read? They rarely talk about how important being oper- the operations behind the service are. Some do, mm-hmm. uh, and even the ones that understand it, often it's not a topic that's discussed. It's not what's focused on, but it's literally the basis of everything else. If right. you don't have the operations or in the case of that blog post, the resources, and we talked about that when we talked about Comcast, well, mm-hmm. they said, well, we're adding 10,000 people, but you know what? And people are like, oh, well, that's, who cares if they all suck? Well, you know what? They may all suck. They may not all suck, but mm-hmm. obviously if you need the 10,000 people, that's the first place to start. Because well, if, you know, if you have yeah. 300 calls per one person, it's not going to, it doesn't matter. They could be the, yeah, you know, it could be, uh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know who, Zig Ziglar himself answering the phone. <laughs> okay. And if, if he's got to field 200 calls an hour, it's not going to matter. His service is going to suck. We're dating ourselves. Oh, uh, everybody. <laughs> who doesn't love Zig Ziglar? Come on. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. And you know, it makes me think, you know, back in the heyday, the dot-com boom, and everybody was on board and giving these companies money. Um, basically for marketing. And there were companies around that were very similar to things like Uber and to things like Peapod, the grocery delivery service, and all of these things. And the ones that failed really didn't have any operational oomph behind them. They, They had no idea actually how to deliver it. And that's the difference. And so, yes, you can say that customer service and customer experience are absolutely vital. And I will stand buy this for as long as I live to a successful organization, if you are promising that and if you are talking about that and it's really about marketing, then you're not doing anything. Because if you can't figure out how to work the operations in the right way and how to scale in the right way and how to service people in the right way, then what's the point of putting the banner on the wall? Can you tell I saw somebody do this recently? Apparently. <laughs> I'm a little bitter about the banner. You've seen a banner, <laughs> yes. It's, it's very obvious. Well, you know, I mean, that's the key. I mean, that's to sort of come full circle. When you look at onstage and offstage, mm-hmm. people forget about the offstage and how important it is. And especially, I think small businesses tend to forget about that when they're looking at it. And people tend to forget about it if that offstage is not part of their department. That's another aspect, but it's, I mean, that is how you deliver it. You know, if the, if the plane, if the, if the FedEx doesn't get there at 1030, then it doesn't matter how well you smile or how well you answer the phone. You've still got a problem. You've still got a bad customer experience. You can fix it, blah, 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 but you've still got a problem. And that, you know, is crucial throughout. And it really, on the frontline side of it, it's so important to let people understand that. I mean, that's actually one of my favorite things is to have that light bulb go off to show somebody on the front lines, like how they are part of this big experience and how crucial they are because they don't feel it. They don't get the positive feedback of interacting with the client, Mm -hmm. especially if they have a bad boss or a bad uh, section or a bad group they're in, you know, it's just blah. It's just, you know, they've got their 
miserable coworkers and their bad boss, and they don't understand that right. they're they're doing something good and they're contributing value. Well, and I think the the more holistic you can look at your experience, and the more you can connect those dots for everybody, that's that's where you get the kind of customer centricity that you want in the DNA of a company, because then every step you take, every uh, plan that you make is about They'll be watching being you. centered. <laughs> I knew it came out that way. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Sting. <laughs> um, but it's going to be about the customer, and that's really what you want instead of just kind of faking it. So, yeah, I agree. I think that that considering how can you connect those dots better, how can you help the offstage people understand their role just as well as those onstage people and have them all respect each other, kumbaya, I mean, come on. Does it get any better than that? <laughs> Kumbaya. No, it doesn't. And I'm glad you mentioned DNA because Harvard actually did a study and they found out that one gram of our DNA could hold like, I don't know, it was like five petabits of data, which is, <laughs> like, wow. it's, it's apparently it's like all of the data like Facebook and Google have or something like that. It's crazy. One, gr one gram crazy. of DNA. So that is your fun factoid for today. You are welcome. <laughs> That's a good one. I don't I don't quite understand it, but I'm going to claim that I do. Yeah, it's got, it's something for people who are good at math. So we'll leave we'll leave it to them to figure out. And we will leave it to you to say goodbye. We hope you enjoyed episode 105 of Crack the Customer Code. You can see the show notes for this and all episodes. Subscribe and send us feedback at crackthecustomercode.com. And I'm one of the on-stage personalities here. I'm Jeannie Walters. <laughs> Stay current on the latest customer experience trends and insights and be among the first to hear about our upcoming webinars, learning opportunities, and more at 360connects.com slash subscribe. And don't forget, we have a free audiobook for you today, audibletrial.com slash customer code. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash customer code for your free audiobook and trial. You're more than just a personality, Jeannie. You're the talent. You just show up. I'm the talent. Yes. With a capital T. Both. Capital T. <laughs> well, I am not the talent, but I am Adam Deporek, and you can connect with me and find out more about our customer service workshops and training at customersthatstick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.